I'd like to turn to Ephesians, please. Ephesians chapter 4. We started a, a, a new series last week, which could not be more important. We just did a book called Nobody Ever Told Me That. And you know, we could equally call what we're studying right now the same thing. Because I could equally go back on my life and, and, and go back to the pastors, to the leaders who I was with when I first got saved and shake them. Because some of the most crucial things that I needed to know were not given to me. I don't believe the devil's that bothered if you fill your mind with things that aren't essential. But the essential truths are the ones that he fights us over. And there's a lot of them concerning our mind. And last week we began, if you weren't here last week, you really need to get that first um, part of this series. It's crucial. It's a foundation. And I'm, uh, please take that seriously. If you weren't here, get that. Because it's a foundation for everything that's going to follow. When we get saved, many people think that's it. But the truth is, when you get saved, that's a spiritual occurrence in here. And it does nothing to your mind. Nothing. God gives us, He breathes His Spirit into us, breathes His life into us. But your mind, it's quite possible for your thinking to stay the same all the days of your life. Right up until you die. That the baggage that you come into the church with, the way you think, because the way you think dictates your behavior. The way you think produces your life. And many, in fact, I would dare to say most believers never do that much work on their mind. You see? And so they get stuck. So we're going to spend several weeks looking at our minds. We're going to use these three scriptures as the foundation to do so. In Proverbs 23 verse 7 it says this, As a man thinketh, so is he. In other words, you are the, the produce of your mind. You'll never surpass the way you think. If your thinking is limited, so will your life be. As a man thinketh, so is he. The, sec the, the, the second foundational scripture is the carnal mind is death. That's the natural mind. But the spiritual mind is life and peace. And therefore, in Romans 12, almost like the conclusion, Paul says, therefore, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Do you get the point? We're not going to be transformed any other way. It's not about just being born again. You can be born again and never change. And the only thing that's happened to you is you've received righteousness, the first point of salvation, but all your life you can be in poverty and in sickness because you never go to work on your mind. Some things God does, some things we must do, right? And the renewing of the mind is something that God does. Let's con continue in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 22 where you'll see Paul once again continue to try and get this truth home to us. Ephesians 4.22 You were taught with regard to the former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your mind, or your mentality if you like, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. People who study the mind like full-time tell us that it probably takes about nine months for any of us to do a proper mind change. 
takes about a nine-month period to foot. Now, you can change your mind for a week, but you might revert back to your old way of thinking about yourself. Okay? They reckon it takes about nine months of work to break down a mindset that maybe you have, say, poverty mentality. And maybe you've had that all your life. Well, it'll take time. It takes time to develop it. It can also take time to get out of it because it involves unlearning. And Paul, I love that scripture, the, the attitude of my mind. The attitude of my mind is my mentality. And as we looked at in our, in our first portion of this series, it's largely what people have said to me that have created me. Like it or not, I was born as a baby, like a blank disc. And the things spoken to me, good and bad, made me confident or lack confidence made me a content person or a very discontent person. It's what the world has done. And so now I have to renew my mind with all that God says. Change my thinking. Change my mentality. But many people never do. They just get saved. And we've got to make a choice. We've got to make a decision. A day where we change our thinking, right? It's, you, you have a choice of three. You can believe what other people say about you. You can take that to heart and live out of it. Sometimes it will be good. A lot of the time it will not be good. Or you can believe what you think about yourself. Sometimes that may be good, but a lot of the time it will not be good. And the one thing we really need to cling on to is what God says about us. Because that is always right all the time. We'll never put you down. We'll always build you up. So when Paul says here to be changed in the attitude of our mind, he's talking about our character, he's talking about our personality, he's talking about our psychology, the way you think. All of these things come out of your current thinking, your makeup, your disposition, right? People can change. You can change. Today we're just going to look at two typical mentalities. And you may have one of them, you may have both of them. It's how to break... Poverty mentality and how to break what we'll call manna mentality. I want to look at them together because they always seem to come together in people. They seem to live together like two sides of the same coin. Poverty mentality and manna mentality. What's the difference? Well, people with a poverty mentality, look at me, listen, it's important. I want you to analyze if this is in you. People with a poverty mentality, if I'm blessed they can get jealous. If I'm prospering, they can get angry because they think there's not enough. They think a poverty mentality thinks there's not enough. There's a shortage. There's not enough to go around, you see? And that, the, the, the mind, that works its way out in all sorts of things. That's a poverty mindset. It thinks there's a shortage of all things at all times. So it gets all twisted and bent out of shape because of that. Can't understand that there's no shortage. There's a huge abundance, amen, in the kingdom. Manna mentality is slightly different. In that manna mentality was a, a handout mentality. A mentality that thought it's, it's always someone else's responsibility to provide for me or to look after me, right? So both of these things, they very often co-abide, as I say. But we need to see if I've got any traces of that in me and get it out of my system. That's how I renew my mind. As Paul says, renew my mind how? 
by looking at these very things. So that's what we're going to do right now. How can I see this or how would it be perceived within me? Point one this morning. Manna mentality or poverty mentality is always seen because it's about survival rather than abundance. About always just getting by. Do you know when God called the people out of Egypt, when he set them free, that's a picture of salvation by the way. It was only just beginning. They had an 11 day journey to go from after they'd they'd, they'd crossed the Red Sea. It was an 11 day journey to the promised land. But instead of it being just a brief moment in their lives, they turned it into a lifestyle. And they lived and died, most of them. They spent 40 years in what should have lasted 11 days. And some of you, at some point in your life, you began to think negative. You began to think, and maybe it was just something that you had to pass through, but you never got out of it. And now it's become like a lifestyle. It's become the way I think. Look at Deuteronomy a moment. Look at what God says about the wilderness. Deuteronomy chapter 8. Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 16. God talks to the people about the wilderness and you can hear the pain in his heart that they got stuck there. He says, um, he gave you manna, this is Moses talking, he gave you manna to eat in the desert, something your fathers had never known, to humble and to test you so that in the end it might go well with you. You see that? So God brought them out. He was trying to humble them, trying to break them down so that in the end he could prosper them. And some things in life, I've told you before, one of the hardest things that ever happened to me after being about, what, 10 years or something full-time ministry, I had to, God pulled me out and he sent me to Liverpool and I was very clearly guided to take a job in a car factory and I was working on the, the, the production line, you know. That was one of the hardest things I've ever done. As I stood there day after day, ah, you know, it was very, very difficult. But from the first moment I went into that place, I said to myself, I'm only passing through. I ain't staying here. I am not staying here. I know I should be here. I need to learn to witness. But I am not getting this mindset. There were guys in that factory who had been on their their, their job for years, stuck in a rut. And one day, one man came over to me, and he sort of looked around, and he said, Hey, you're different. It's like a prison, you know. <laughs> hey, you're different. You're different. You've got a plan, haven't you? <laughs> he could, I don't open my mouth. He could see and feel there was, you're going to get out. You see? And I'm sitting, you better believe I'm getting out. Because if you think I'm staying here, I'm here for a purpose. And the purpose was to humble you because after 12 years or whatever it was full time, I wasn't relating to the lost. And God needed to get my feet back on the ground and I accept that, understand that and take the medicine. But I'm not staying here. I only wanted you to pass through. You turned it into a lifestyle. You, you, it, you, you made that your mentality. You made, because you had manna, And because it was being given to you by someone else and you didn't have to work for it, you've turned that into your whole life. What a disaster. But we must be different. I remember traveling with Pastor Elia, one of the, and I think our first trip. And we went with him to his home village. 
and it was pitch black. You couldn't see anything. There's no street lights there, you know. And, and, and we pulled up and Elia said to me, I've just got to run into this house a moment. Well, I couldn't see anything outside. So I got out of the car and sort of walked around and it's very dark. And I thought, where's he going? And I just caught a glimpse of him and he looked a little, you know, worried. I thought, what's he worried about? And as my eyes adjusted, I suddenly saw there was people everywhere <laughs> in silence. Standing in this lane, there was men all standing like shadows. I thought, oh my, there's people. And so I, I, went, I got closer to him, you know. I thought, Who's that lot? And he didn't speak. He said, just hang on. He went into the house, did something. We got in the van. I thought, who's all this lot? He said, these are the people I grew up with. And then I knew they're coming just to look and to see the one who thought differently. The one who got out. Because that village, you see, I've, you know his mom. You know the way he was raised. I know it's tough, lad, but we're not staying here. I know it's tough, but we're not going to make that our mindset. We're not going to, you know, buy into that. We're not going to make that our mentality. I'm just saying, folks, this is what happened to people of Israel. And it's so typical of many of us. You meet people when they're 30 or 40 or 50 or 60, and you listen, you look at their lives, you think, how did you ever get like that? Why do you think like that? If you trace it back, it's because some moment in their lives, they simply got stuck in a rut. And that's, I mean, you can see poverty mentality, you can see manna mentality, you can see it in the social welfare system which is an awful system in this country. It is terrible. Now, don't hear what I'm not saying. If someone is sick or something, they need to be provided for. But social welfare is what? It's to get you from A to B. It's an 11-day thing to help you when you're stuck until you get a job, right? And then you get on with your life. But the trouble is, if you don't use it that way, it'll end up killing you, literally, in many cases. The first thing, welfare mentality, Man and do you know the first thing it does? It takes your faith away. Take a walk down Puzzle Park, right? Look at the faces. There's no future. There's no hope. That's manna doing that. More than 11 days, now it's years. And suddenly all faith is gone. Next thing, the speech starts to change and everything's negative. Next thing, health starts to go. And that's why you go, again, sorry to use Puzzle, but it is a good example. You go down and you'll see people of 40 years old looking like an old man. What happened to you? Got stuck. Stuck in a moment of life and never able to move out of it. You need to know this and see it and help others to come out of it. Amen? Amen. And don't ever get stuck in it ourselves. So the first thing that that type of thing will take off you is your faith. Man of mentality will kill your faith. You hear people talk like this. They say, if God wants to heal me, God will heal me. If God wants to prosper me, well, it's over to God. God will prosper me. Have you heard that? Yeah. What's missing? What exactly? Faith. What's missing in the statement that if God wants to prosper me, God will prosper me? Or if God wants to heal me, God will heal me? It's a man of mentality. What's missing is the fact that that is not true in, in essence. Because the faith dynamic is missing. It's faith in us reaching out to God. This is a, a mental roadblock right there. 
And some of you maybe even this very morning have got sicknesses, have got things you've never overcome. Listen to me, please. It, it may, may not actually be a faith issue. We've all got faith, right? It's because you constantly come up against your mentality. You hear the word and you may confess the word. But before you know it, you're contradicting that belief with your, with your mouth, with your thinking. You come up against it. It's like, they, 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 in fact, turn to Numbers. Look at this. You'll see that. The book of Numbers, chapter 13. Numbers, chapter 13. And verse 27. Numbers 13, 27. They gave Moses this account. This is the spies coming back from the promised land. We went into the land to which you sent it, and it does flow with milk and honey. You see that? Do you know what they're saying? Maybe like some of you say, I believe in healing. I believe it's God's will to prosper me. So they start off having heard the word. They confess the word. They confess that which is true. We went into the land and it does flow with milk and honey. And look at verse 28. What does it say? But. But. So they're con they've heard the word to take the land. They're confessing the word to take that land. And then what have they hit? Where's that but coming from? The mental roadblock. Their thinking kicks in. And it is their mentality that is stifling their faith and stopping them from moving forward. I'm just saying, it's one of those subtle roadblocks that will be in front of you all your life in a multitude of ways. And how do we renew our mind? By starting to analyze it just like that. So first, you can identify it with a mindset that sees survival as a way of, that is normal, and it isn't. It's not for us. Abundance is what God has promised us. Secondly, poverty mentality can be seen in the fact that people are, are, are excited about being out, but they're not actually in. And by that I mean, you know, when someone gets out of prison, everybody starts, oh, he's out, he's out, they're free. Well, salvation can be a bit like that, like our baptisms the other week. When someone testifies and you can say, praise the Lord, they're born again, giving the witness, giving their testimony, that's about being out. But the truth is that God firmly wants us to advance this salvation that he's given us, not just righteousness. Remember? Righteousness is getting out. But there's more to your salvation than that. We've got to receive deliverance and move in deliverance, receive the healing that is part of your salvation, and certainly receive prosperity. Let me show you this in a graph form. Look at this. The people of Israel, and that's, it's, it's, a, it's a picture of your life and mine. They were in Egypt. They were lost. Right? It's a picture of being lost before we got saved. And in Egypt, God will fight for you because salvation belongs to God. Now what happened? God, it says, God heard their cries. God felt sorry for them. He responded to them. He parted the Red Sea. And the Red Sea is symbolic. It represents baptism in water. The beginning of the Christian life, right? Or conversion as we might put it. Now in the middle, as soon as they crossed the Red Sea, they entered the wilderness. Now do you see what the battle is in the wilderness? It's not the giants, right? What is it? It's the mind. And for 40 years, they couldn't change their mind. We look like grasshoppers in our own eyes, in our own mind, and so we seem to them, we're not going in. The, you know when Jesus, the, it says the Holy Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness to be tested. Now, what did the devil say? 
if you are the Son of God, it's identity. You see, the, 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 the children of Israel were to come out, they were to go into the wilderness, right? It's a bit like me on the factory line, or you in whatever way God has brought you through, but you're not to stay there. You go through that, and in this place, you change your mind. Just as Jesus did when he stood down Satan, but sad, you know the story. The people of Israel didn't do it. They didn't let, God, they didn't let God's word permeate their mind, even though they began off by saying it. And so they never crossed the Jordan. And crossed. The Jordan is symbolic of baptism in the Holy Ghost, baptism in the Holy Spirit or regeneration, God's part in our salvation. And then we get to this part. And my oh my, doesn't the devil like to try and push you back there? Because it's here where we become useful in the kingdom. But you've got to change your mind. You've got to start to believe God's identity. When he said to them, you can take the land, go in and take it, they couldn't change their mind. It is a great land. It does flow with milk and honey, but, but, and every one of us, me included, I have to constantly assess my mind, my thinking, my mentality, and work at it and work at it and work at it until it's changed, fully and properly changed. Where are you? You see, this, the promised land, that's where you become productive. That's where it's not about you. It becomes about the city, becomes about the lost, becomes about the world, right? But in here, it's all about you. In the wilderness, it's about you changing and not being that person. You've got a new, you know, the, the, the spiritual mind, the mind of Christ. Actually, you begin to live out of that. So where are you on that? Right? Where are you? Have you come through that? Can you look back on your life and see changes, definite, marked change? I remember when I was lost. I remember when God came into my life on my day of my baptism. I remember how he set me free. I remember my old mindsets. Do you remember the way I used to think and talk? Wow. Praise God. He changed me. And through his power, I am now productive in the kingdom. That's what we need to see. We need to be able to, if it's not happening, start to knock out the particular mentality that you may be struggling with. And that will be different in all the different people here. Everybody struggles with something different. We've got to break something different. This is just two as an example but we'll look at you know, the, the maybe six or seven over the next few weeks, typical mindsets that people struggle with. So firstly, if I'm thinking of survival rather than abundance, that's a sure sign that I've still got dregs of poverty mentality in my mind. Right? If my life doesn't show that I'm in as well as out, if it's just about me being saved, that's not it. I also need to be in power, be in the kingdom being fruitful. And thirdly, to break poverty mentality just positively, that's the negative out of the road, positively, to break poverty mentality in me, I've got to think about it. I've got to change my thinking. Remember when Peter was in the boat with the 12? And there's 12 men in this boat and Jesus comes walking on the water. Remember that? And the only one in the boat for it to cross his mind, the only one who said, Lord, if that is you, Bid me come with Peter. So here you've got 12 men 
who have had three years of, 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 of great things happening around Jesus, but only one of them had any, you know, initiative to say, Lord, if it is you, bid me come. And the other 11 must have just said, looks like Jesus there, isn't it? <laughs> like window shopping. So many Christians, the kingdom is something on God channel. Power, healing, is something someone else's life. Like watching a soap. Watching God living, acting in someone else's life. That's not how it's supposed to be, is it? It's you, it's me. Active in the kingdom. Your life. Amen. And there, here's these 12 men. But only one of them obviously did any work on his mind. Because he saw them walking on water. I think that's quite good, isn't that? It's exciting. I think Gordon was going to try and do that in the baptisms. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Only one did it cross his mind. And he thought to himself, that looks good. I'd like to try it. Lord, bid me come. Amen. And Jesus did. I, I fear that many people very quickly stop dreaming. And Peter saw that exciting thing. He saw that hope. He saw that challenge. And he ran to it. He went to it. But people lose their imagination, a sanctified imagination, something that a guy called A.W. Tozer wrote a book all about, about believing again that God can do great things through you. Believing again, dreaming again, and asking God to bid you to come, just as Peter did. So in these next few weeks, we're going to take one by one specific mindsets and start to deal with them. Turn to the book of Joshua a moment. Joshua had a mighty task put on his shoulders, and God spoke to him when, when, when Moses had died, and he was terrified. He was looking at the years ahead, and he was literally terrified, and God begins to speak to him, do not be afraid, do not be afraid, and in Joshua chapter 1, verse 8, he begins to, he, he, God can see Joshua's mentality. It's fear-filled. He's full of fear, and God speaks to him about how to change his mind. Joshua 1 and verse 8. I'll start at verse 8. Do not let this book, this is how you change your mind. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. That's what you speak. You're speaking the word of God. Meditate on it. That's the mind. Meditate on it day and night and be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Now God there is speaking to Joshua, but let me tell you, he's speaking to me. And I take that personally. And I would advise you to do the same. I want to be successful. I want to be prosperous. And I can see right there the clear way to go. The clear way to proceed down that. How? By watching what comes out of my mouth is in line with the word of God. And the word meditate there is actually the word, excuse me, but it's the word regurgitate. <laughs> you know a cow has four stomachs? And it takes the grass, it eats the grass, and it chews the grass over, and then it swallows it, and then it brings it back up, and chews it again, and then swallows it back down again. You feeling all right? Anybody want to be sick? <laughs> That's the word used here. It's the same sort of word. He's saying meditate, chew it over, think about it, let it permeate through your mind. You see, do you know what? Please, Joshua was meditating on something. And it's not faith. Joshua's terrified. Joshua's meditated on the fact that Moses is dead. Oh no, that's what he's meditating on. 
And God is saying to him, listen, Joshua, you're going to get nowhere like that. Everybody's meditating on something. And if that something is negative, it isn't going to change your mind. Amen. So we need to switch it, just like God is advising right there. The second meaning in that word is to mutter or to whisper under your breath. And that's just a bit like the butt there, you know, with the ten spies. Everybody's muttering something. Um, say you're, someone is sick here or whatever and you invite you forward and we pray for you. People will receive that prayer. Thank you very much. But my legs still hurt. Muttering. <laughs> muttering. And it's a kind, it's your mind working. See, that's your thinking. You may have faith down here in your spirit. We all do. But your thinking's going to be your roadblock. Therefore, be transformed by the renewing of that. Watch your thinking, because that's going to stop you for the rest of your life. Until the day comes when you see what the true problem is. It's in here. As soon as a person's born again, God puts his faith in you. Right? And you've got that. Next, we've got the word. And goodness knows there's enough of the word of God around. More in your generation than any before. So, we're hearing all the time, I think. We're hearing the word, right? We've got faith. <laughs> so something's missing, isn't it? It's my thinking. Because as soon as I hear something, as soon as someone prays over me or prophesies over me, all of a sudden, within two seconds, I'm muttering. I'm muttering and I'm meditating on the negative, on the natural, on the carnal, because I have not caused my mind to be that spiritual mind. You see? This is why you look at the world. When you look at the church, in fact, so easy to think that there's haves and have-nots, isn't it? So easy to look at the church and think, this group of people are miserable, happy, and negative, <laughs> and this group of people are happy, prospered, and seem blessed, healthy. Whew. Is the church full of haves and have-nots? No! The church is full of those who never renewed their mind and those who did. Every single person will be treated the same. It's just that some, at some point, saw the problem. It's not faith. I think we've got plenty of faith, actually. And it's not the Word. I think we've got plenty of that, too. It's another issue. It's lack of transformation in your thinking. It's changing our mentality. Let me close with Psalm 1. Psalm 1 and verse 3. And this is a famous psalm, and you will know it. But look at the promise that God gives for, the, uh, gives for those who renew their mind. You guys come back. I'll read the whole of the first portion of Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, or stand in the way of sinners, or sit in the seat of mockers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a stream. He, do you see that? He meditates. He's thinking on God's word day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season, whose leaf does not wither, and whatever he does prospers. Kind of hard to see it. Sometimes I think the Bible's a bit like an optical illusion, you know? Now you see it, now you don't. Like a word from God. It can slip so quickly. If you meditate, that's thinking, on the Word of God, day and night, whatever you do will prosper. Now that's a promise. I want you to think today and in the next few weeks about your mind. 
about your thinking. Look back over the years and see, can you see yourself come out of Egypt fully? We're going to do it on the all-nighter. Pray us completely out. Pray for baptism in the Holy Spirit. And pray that we become useful in the kingdom, in this city and beyond. Let's stand this morning. Hallelujah. Let's just raise our hands before God. Hallelujah. Jesus. Lord, I thank you for the cross. I thank you for your blood that was shed, for your body that was broken so that we might receive salvation. But we need to get past the cross. We need to move beyond the cross, Lord, and into the promised land. We need to live in victory, Father. And would you forgive us for being slow or clinging on to old mindsets? And this morning we make a righteous determination that we will pursue a spiritual mind. That we will analyze ourselves and look back on our past at the things people have said that maybe we should have let go. Or even the places that you brought us to, to humble us. Somehow we got stuck there. God, forgive us. And I pray you would help us to dream again. Like Peter did, he never lost his dream, never lost his vision. He was so quick to respond in faith to you. For God, I pray for every person here. Would you bid us come? Would you bid us come into ministries? Would you bid us come into whatever future you have for us, God? And we'll step out of the boat. And by faith, follow you into the future.